yeah, and I thought coming to a work, workshop would would help me even more, and it absolutely did. And I still I still chat to the people that I connected with that day on on, on Messenger and WhatsApp, and all the support and the groups and the WhatsApp groups and your whole concept is absolutely amazing. And that's what we need. We need. I mean, it's all very well joining Facebook groups and joining online groups, but to, to actually sit in a circle with these these women who are like minded is um, is probably one of the best things I did at that time. Everybody's got their own stories and yeah. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. We believe it's really, really hard to change your drinking alone. So we're all about community. We're about keeping each other on track. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. Here's a lady from one of our WhatsApp groups. Good morning, Janet and fellow Sober Springers. Um, my Friday win is getting through my hubby's 40th, our combined 40th birthday bash, as well as my 40th on Tuesday, without drinking a drop of alcohol. To me, this is a huge win, and I would never have thought it's possible. But with the love and support and encouragement and inspiration found on this group, um, I did it, and I want to say thank you to all of you. So have a great Friday. So if you want to join our tribe and connect with others on this path, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. So let's get to this week's guest. Now, a few years ago, I stumbled upon a blog by a lady called Jo, and she called her blog Coins in a Jar. And she called it that because for every day that she didn't drink, she dropped a coin into a glass jar. So as you can imagine, she had a nice motivating impression there as those coins built up and built up. And she was doing really well. So I invited her to attend one of my workshops as a guest. So she came along and she inspired the other people there and we kept in touch. Now after a couple of years, she had a bit of a relapse. But then she managed to stop drinking again, and she even started a new blog. And this time it was called Coins in a Cracked Jar. A second time round, she tackled her journey in a very different way. So let's hear more from Jo. I'm 44. Uh, I've got um, two beautiful kids, and I'm married, and I live in Cape Town, Plumstead. Uh, I've lived in Cape Town my whole life, um, except for couple of years in the UK and one year in Johannesburg last year. But I'm back now and just very happy to be back in in the city that I, I grew up in and realizing that Cape Town is definitely my home and I don't want to really be anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like leaving Cape Town for a while no. to appreciate it, is it? Exactly, yes. 
Okay, well, thanks, Joe. So we connected, didn't we, when I found your awesome blog. I found it on Cyberspace somewhere. I think actually it was on Facebook and it was called Coins in a Jar. And I thought it was such a clever concept, you know, that you put uh, a, a coin in the jar for every day that you were sober. That's how it worked, isn't it? And it was a lovely blog and you'd been sober for a while and I connected with you and I told you about our workshops and I invited you as a guest really to be a bit of a good influence on the other people and an example of sobriety and you came along and you did that and I think you wrote me a lovely testimonial afterwards which is still on our website somewhere. So just take us back to that time when you you must have decided that you wanted to change your relationship with alcohol and you decided to do it with a blog. How did all that happen? Yes, so um, I think it was in 2017 I decided um, nothing particularly happened, but um, I was drinking quite a bit and that had been going on for about, I'd say, five or six years. And um, I just thought enough is enough, really. And um, I I wanted to stop. And I was I was looking at YouTube and watching videos and stuff. And then I I thought, um, how can I how can I do this properly? Because I, some, I mean, I'm the kind of person I need a bit of a push. I can't. I need something to hold me accountable. So I decided to. I wanted to see something tangible every day. So I, just, I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And then I just, I think I saw some coins somewhere, if I remember correctly, and I just decided to start writing about my journey, and I decided to call it coins in a jar. So I would, as you said, drop a coin into the jar every time, every day I didn't drink. And seeing these coins rising was um, was quite satisfying. And, you know, when I decided to go public and put my, my story on Facebook, I I – that you know, I had to be accountable. So that's that's what 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 helped me. I think that's a great idea, Joe. And in fact, I did exactly the same the day that I stopped drinking. I started blogging and I called it World Without Wine. And over the years, that's kind of organically grown into what World Without Wine is today. And and it helped me, you know, because just like you, I needed to be accountable. And I thought the more I put this thing out there, the more embarrassed I'm going to be if I start drinking again. And that kind of kept me kept me on the track. So how many months sober were you when you came along to the workshop as a guest? Um, two months. But, you know, at that stage, obviously, everything is glorious and you're on this, you know, you feel amazing and yeah, and I thought coming to a work, workshop would would help me even more, and it absolutely did. And I still I still chat to the people that I connected with that day on on, on Messenger and WhatsApp, and all the support and the groups and the WhatsApp groups and your whole concept is absolutely amazing. And that's what we need. We need. I mean, it's all very well joining Facebook groups and joining online groups, but to, to actually sit in a circle with these these women who are like minded is um, is probably one of the best things I did at that time. Everybody's got their own stories and yeah. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. 
Yeah, that's that's what I love about the the connection. I mean, the connection makes all the difference. They, they say connection is the opposite of addiction, don't they? Absolutely. And I, I think what's lovely is because we've been going now for about five years. We, we've evolved, obviously, and people that have got sober with us, they've stayed around. And what they're doing now is they're helping the newbies. You know, and we've got this uh, system of sober buddies now. So we pair up a newbie with someone that's sober and it's it's really working well. How long have you been alcohol-free now? Um, well, now it's my second time round, and I have been—I have not drunk for almost four months now. Yeah. So basically, what happened was um, last year I went to—I uh, went to live in Joburg, and it was obviously a new environment. I had—I I knew nobody, um, and I was almost—I was just going on to my second year of, of uh, not drinking. Then I. Um, became a little bit complacent and I just thought, I thought Ugh, nobody really knows me. Nobody knows my story. And um, it was almost like I was giving myself permission to drink again. And that's how it started very, very slowly. And um, I started with a few sips of my husband's beer now and again. And then I would only drink beer. And then I started, then I gave myself slowly permission to buy, to get wine. And then I used to drink with a neighbor. So that's really how, how awful this, this drug is because never in a million years did I think, because I had my blog and I was accountable and I thought, how embarrassing, as you said, I can't go back. I've got these people that, that follow me. And I still did because I thought, I've got this, you know, and that's, that's the problem. I became too confident, too complacent. It happens so often, Joe. I think, because uh, the longer we're sober, the more we tend to forget, you know, why we did this. You know, we forget about those awful blackouts and the hangovers and how we, we never really felt good. And then we, we start thinking things like, oh, uh, I wasn't that bad. And then, of course, your friends tell you weren't, you weren't that bad anyway and that everybody drinks a bottle of wine a night. Of course they do. <laughs> and you just get, get relaxed. And did you think that you would be able to moderate? I did. I mean, my, your, your brain actually convinces you that, you know, and I verbalized it to my husband and I was so proud of myself. And, of course, and I would be like, you know, of course I can do it. I'll just go and have one or two drinks here and then I'd, I won't have to drink for a while. Then, But it doesn't work like that at all. Once you've had those one or two drinks and then then I would say, then I would make every excuse and I would say, okay, I had one or two drinks last week, but now there's nowhere ready to go. So I'll just have one or two drinks at home. And that, yeah. but that's how it started again. Were you trying to keep to the safe limits, which you may remember are a bottle and a half of wine a week? Did you did you think you could keep no. within that? <laughs> I'm sure you didn't, but in the, wait, in the beginning I did. Yeah. I was trying in the beginning, but um, yeah, and then social events come up, and then as I met more friends, more drinking happened. And, yeah, it carried on until to this year when I came back to Cape Town, and then the lockdown happened and then it was even more of an excuse to drink yeah so how long how long had you been sober when you had this um relapse if we can call it that almost two years I was I was literally wow. two weeks away from my two-year mark and that's how yeah. I, I mean yeah. I was I couldn't even wait for the two years just to say it's been exactly two years and yeah so that and, and you try and justify and you try and say maybe this is not for me or maybe I'm not meant to, you know, be sober. 
Oh, and what would you say to someone that has been sober for a while, a few months, a year, whatever, and they're thinking, oh, maybe I should try moderating now? I don't know. I would, I would, I would say talk to people about what you're thinking. Don't, don't try, don't make up, don't try and justify it and say, you know, my husband did say I, I wouldn't do that. He did say don't throw it away, don't throw it away. But I was like, yeah, well, it's my decision and, and I'm, I'm going to make this decision. And I remember the day that I took that first sip of wine, I had mixed feelings. I was kind of disappointed, but I was also like, you know, you also have, I also had this feeling that it, it, it wasn't, I mean, my two years was, or my almost two years was was mine to keep. Yeah. I still learned an enormous amount in those two years. Um, well, I would agree it is your, your time to keep, rather. I mean, what do you say? All sober time counts. So you've got yeah. your two years. And now, and so you came back to Cape Town, a bit of a, a fresh start. So was it difficult to um, stop drinking for the second time? It's always <laughs> difficult, but not as difficult as the first time. I, I was a lot more prepared. I knew what to expect. Um, it was almost... I was, I, was always, I was almost glad in a way that I had relapsed because you know, it's, it's like anything in life. If you can always, you know, just taught me that you can try something and it doesn't work and just to try again and not, you know, it sounds cliched, but but not to give up. And, and Absolutely. every little bit of the first time helps, help, is, help, is still helping me today going on my four months. And, um, yeah, and there's, I always say to people, you know, when they're depressed because they've uh, had a slip up or something, that, you know, there's no such thing as failure. The only failure is if you stop trying. What, what's different this time round? Um, Janet, this time round, um, what I did is I, I tried to – I wasn't feeling good and obviously I was drinking again. So what I did differently is I took a look at my, my mental health and I, and I did it properly this time. And I went to a psychiatrist and I went to a psychologist. I got some, some medicine that, that is helping me. Basically, what I, find, what I found for me is what is so helpful is to peel, to peel back the layers of to why are you drinking. Everybody says I'm drinking too much. It's the alcohol. The alcohol is making me feel bad. The alcohol is giving me depression, giving me anxiety. But I think I think it's the other way around. Well, for me it is at least. So when I when I went to the to the doctor, um, I was diagnosed with um, depression, which I kind of knew anyway. But I've I've never had a, a proper diagnosis. And then what came out during my my therapy sessions is that um, she picked up. I have um, most a lot of symptoms of um, BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, and. It is tough because, as you know, there's a huge stigma around mental health. Um, there's a stigma around addiction. So for me, it's you know, being um, being addicted to something is stigmatized. Having depression is stigmatized, and having BPD with the word personality is even even more stigmatized because whenever you know people think of the word personality, they conjure up all sorts of miscon misconceptions. So basically what B B BPD is, is it's it's just a disorder of not having a strong, a strong sense of self, um, very impulsive behavior, which which in my case often led to um, self-destruction behavior, self-destructive behavior such as drinking. Um, you often have unstable relationships. You feel a strong emptiness at all times and your moods change very quickly. You can't regulate your moods very well. 
um, and a side order, if you like, of this is depression and alcohol abuse or substance abuse, which I had both of those. So now that I'm addressing these issues, um, I find it much, much, much easier this time around because I've, as I said, I've gone back. That's very important to do. Great. Oh, that's wonderful, Joe, and, and thank you for sharing that. It'll help a lot of other people. But your your story there it reminds me of this analogy that was on our one of our groups the other day. A, a lady explained that uh, the first time, because she'd also had a bit of a relapse and then started again, yeah. and she said that the first time that she travelled along this this road, uh, she felt like it was going to be easy, you know, like it was going to be a gentle kind of summer walk and as if she was dressed in a, a pretty dress and sandals and, and strolling along. Mm-hmm. And indeed, she did She did well and she got about halfway to where she wanted to get to. And then suddenly, she, the way she put it was beautiful. She looked down at her feet and they were bleeding. Her dress was all torn and she realized that she hadn't equipped herself for this journey. So she equipped herself, and that could mean different things for different people. In your case, you yeah. know, it was getting some therapy. Mm-hmm. And now she said she, she's now kind of powering through, and she feels as if she's back on this uh, this walk. But this time it's, it's a hike, and she's wearing hiking boots and sensible clothes, and she's so much better equipped. So I thought that was a beautiful analogy, and, and your story reminded me of that. Yes, I think I've got my... In the, I've started to buy those boots. So. so as you know, alcohol is so normalized in our society that us non-drinkers are, are perceived as a little strange, to put it mildly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wondered what kind of reactions you get from, from your circle when you announce that you don't drink alcohol anymore. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. My my direct circle of friends have been absolutely amazing and, you know, it's all good things and support. And, I mean, not one person in my group has has said, um, just drink, have some fun. And I know a lot of people do get that that reaction from friends. But I've I've been very lucky um, that way. But what I have found from... I would say acquaintances or not close friends. We met we met a, when we went to Joburg last year, we met a brand new group of people and I'd never met these people in my life. And they were quite a bit older than us and probably a bit more refined. And we went out for dinner and obviously they want they're drinking the fine wines and and they're all enjoying the wine. And then this man who was like the head of the table, the host, if you want to say, he was very loud and he was talking a lot and kind of guy that didn't really let people get a word in um and then and then he looked at me obviously they kept saying what are you drinking what are you drinking so I said no I'm just going to stick with um I'll just have an appetizer or whatever but I didn't explain anything and then he you know they're all enjoying their wine and he looked at me and he said why are you so quiet um because they obviously don't realize how loud they are getting and and I I just got a little bit annoyed so I just said well why are you so loud um and that 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 quickly like quiet shut him up a bit because um <laughs> yeah we get we get a bit irritated when people are or say things like that um yeah yeah and then another thing another thing i found is is um when when we go to to um social gath- gatherings with people that drink a lot 
that when they top up their, their drink, they obviously want to include you and don't want to leave you out. But sometimes they go a bit overboard. So they'll say, have you finished your drink? Can I get you another drink? But, you know, they, they, they don't realize that there's only amount, a certain amount of soda water you can stomach, you know, because, you know, when you're drinking the you don't realize how much you're having and you and you can drink and drink and drink. But, I mean, if you're drinking a bottle, two bottles of soda water, you actually feel quite sick. Um, so that that's another another thing. But other than that, everything everything has been people's reactions are more like they're quite they're quite um, in awe, and they'll say like, "Oh wow, I wish I could do that." Or, or I try to stop once and I, I lasted a week, you know. So those are the react those are the kind of reactions I get. Um, so it's it's been it's been positive all around. Great. Well, well done you for, you know, developing the, it's often quick, it's often difficult to think of these one-liners when you need it, but I love, you know, why are you so loud? Because it's so And that's true. often what I think. Um, and this time I thought, yeah, I'm saying it now because, <laughs> and he was quite yeah, taken well, good aback. For you. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we have to remember um, that it's not our job to make other people feel comfortable about their drinking, is it? You know, we're doing our thing, they're doing their thing. We're not attacking them so they have no right really to to start attacking us well joe it sounds like your kind of immediate circle of friends have, have been amazing and that's uh, that's the main thing but i always think that this this journey allows us to do a bit of a sort out with our friends because our real friends just like your circle will say well well done you you know i'm not sure i could do that and and how can i support you but those drinking buddies will just, you know, say things like, well, why are you so quiet and you're boring? And, you know, that because they they usually have an issue with their own drinking and they can't even imagine how they would be able to stop drinking. So that's why they go on the attack. Yeah, Janet. And, and one more thing you do, you know, unfortunately, on this journey, you have you you have friends and then you have like drinking friends. Yeah. And um, I have I have cut a few drinking friends because that was really all the relationship was. It was just getting together, yeah. getting drunk, and and that was yeah. really not not much more else to it. So th those have gone. So tell me about your second blog. I think it's got a slightly uh, different name, isn't it? I felt embarrassed. I was like, "What are these people going to think?" And then my blog went completely quiet. I didn't know what to say, so I just kind of left it. And then, and then one night I was thinking, I was thinking, you know what? I think people do appreciate my honesty and, and being vulnerable in this world. It's not a weakness. It's actually a huge strength. I just thought, you know, let me be honest. And I think I wrote, I wrote a, I wrote a blog saying like, you know, I think after my first beer, I think, and I said, you know, I did drink last night and this is what's happening. And, and I got such a, such an amazing response. Nobody was negative. Everybody was like, it's okay, you know, we're here for you, get back, etc. And you've helped me. And and then I thought, how can I make this blog? Because now it's not it's not it's, now this blog has changed. It's not about stopping alcohol, it's about stopping and then starting and then later stopping. So then, you know, just to to iterate, reiterate that um, yeah, we nobody's perfect, we're all human, we all break. I thought I changed the two coins in a crack jar because my journey kind of cracked. And then and then I wanted to add the aspect of mental health as well, talking about my journey with mental health coupled with the addiction. So I think that was quite a fitting name. And this for me has been almost like, you know, when people are in a bad relationship, you know, and they, they break up with someone and then a lot of them go back 
and then they break up for good. That, that's exactly how it is. I, I know. I now, you know, I know better. I've learned more. I've been, I've been kind of back to see, is this really not for me? Or, you know, when I started drinking again, I kind of went back. And then when I got so sick and I decided to to stop forever this time, it was like I had a look. I went back for a few months and I had a look at that life again and, and then realized, that, you know, this is really not for me. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's as you say, uh, alcohol can be exactly like an abusive lover, absolutely. you know. And, absolutely. And, you know, if some guy's been mistreating you and then he convinces you to give it another try and then you do. And then after a few months you think, I remember what hell this was now, you know, I need out again. <laughs> so did you write a goodbye to alcohol letter? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, well, you must then. Yeah. Please have a go because you write beautifully. So I know some people just don't like writing, but you haven't got that excuse. You're a blogger. <laughs> and I think you write for a living as well, don't you? write features. And yes, things. I do. Um, yeah. I do. So, right. Well, I shall be waiting for that. And <laughs> if anyone's listening to this and they'd like to read some goodbye to alcohol letters, they're on our second website, which is called goodbye2letters.com. We've got loads on there now. It's beautiful, actually. People email me from all around the world. I've never heard of most of these people, and they're, they're sending me goodbye letters. So. No, I've, re- I've read a few. They're, they're awesome. Yeah. I, I must I must write mine. Okay. Well, thanks, Joe. That was just so interesting. I'm just about at the end of my questions now. Is, is there anything that you would like to add? Anything that I haven't asked you about that you think might help uh, people that would be listening to this? Yeah, um, as, again, I'll just say, um, you know, any, I think any, any addiction, you know, any, anything anybody's addicted to is hard to, to give up. But alcohol, alcohol is just so much, I really believe it, it's, it's the hardest to give up because, as you said, you know, every, everywhere you look, there's alcohol. Everywhere, everywhere you read, everything you read is about how wonderful alcohol is and come and party and be cool. And it's just everywhere. And, they make you believe it's cool, and that's mm. that's what makes it so dangerous and so deadly. And I think that that aspect linked with people who suffer from mental health is is, is deadly. It's a de- deadly combination because you think I'm so depressed, I'm so depressed, ah, but everybody's depressed after drinking. It's normal, and then you just drink again to make the depression go away for two hours, and then it comes back worse. And people try and justify the depression or their the anxiety or whatever they suffer from because I've got a hangover and it's normal to feel anxious with a hangover. So let me just drink again and I'll feel better. You know, those, those are the things that lead to suicide and it's actually deadly. So, so just to reiterate, if you feel, you know, depressed or, or something's wrong with your mental health, please check it out. I think, I think if you check that out and get that sorted properly, you might discover that, you don't need to drink as much. Maybe you'll drink a glass and then eventually nothing. 
And so many people are in therapy. I mean, it's ironic for anxiety or, or depression, and, and they never discuss the fact that they're drinking a bottle of wine a night with the therapist. I go to another one now, but the first one I went to, she never, ever spoke about my drinking. Yeah, I mean, I would say to people, if, if you're depressed or anxious, just try ditching the booze for a while. You know, it doesn't happen overnight, but after a couple of months, you'll, you'll be feeling so much better probably. And if you're not, then, you know, go to a, a psychotherapist, get some medication, but don't drink with the medication because it just cancels it out. Okay, Joe. Well, thank you so much. How can people find your blog? Is it still Facebook, the best place? It's still on Facebook. Coins in a cracked jar. Coins in a cracked jar. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So I'm sure you'll get a few more followers. But thank you so much, Joe. I think I think you've helped a lot of people today. So have a beautiful day. So there you heard blogger and sobriety advocate Joe Borrell. As usual, I'm going to pull out some points from that conversation. Now, obviously, the first point, we're back to our old friend, moderation again. It's so easy to become complacent when we've been sober for a while. You heard Jo, she hadn't drunk for two years, and then she found herself trying a sip of her husband's beer, and before she knew where she was, she was buying wine again. A few weeks in, she was back to square one. I think we forget just how bad things were. And we convince ourselves that, of course, we can be like normal people now. We can manage the odd drink. Well, spoiler alert, we probably can't. Once our drinking's crossed a certain line, we can't go back. We just need to ditch the stuff and go forward. I personally think of my addiction like a a sleeping tiger. And I think if I just had one glass of wine, that tiger would wake up and it would be out of control before I knew what was happening. The second thing which really interested me about that conversation was the fact that Jo tackled her journey quite differently this time. She tackled her underlying issues. She decided, as she phrased it, to peel back the layers. So because she was suffering from depression, she went to a psychotherapist, she went to a psychiatrist, she got some meds, she had therapy, and of course she stopped drinking And those things came together and worked for her this time. So people who give up drinking may relapse if they don't deal with the underlying issues. When you stop drinking, you lift the veil. You can see what's really going on there. The third point that we talked about is the fact that many people are self-medicating with booze. And I think a danger sign is when you find yourself drinking alone and you're drinking to relieve stress, to relieve loneliness, to give yourself a lift because you're down. Those are all warning signs. We start off drinking to socialise and then some of us, we cross over that line to drinking to self-medicate. And it doesn't work, obviously, it just hides the issues. And it's also so bad to mix meds and booze. It just stops them working. And so many people are in therapy about their depression and their anxiety, yet they're not even tackling the booze. That's the first thing to drop if you feel depressed, I think. Just stop drinking for a few months and your mood will lift considerably. And the fourth point is that um, we need to stay accountable when we going through this you know um like like me joe loves writing so she used blogging as a tool to keep her accountable but that's the great thing about our tribe they will keep you accountable 
our WhatsApp group every single morning, there's somebody sharing a beautiful milestone or maybe sharing the fact that they're struggling a bit. But you need you need other people. It's so hard to do this alone. So you need people to keep you accountable. And we've designed trackers to keep you accountable. We want people to tick off their alcohol-free days and then share them with other people that are supporting them. Every week we have screenshots Saturday in our WhatsApp groups and people take a screenshot of their tracker and they share it. And I think if you know that you'll be sharing your tracker in a few days, you're so much more likely to to want to keep it looking good. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share and we'll see you next time. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.